It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I hope that you will enjoy the show. I'm going to start off with an odd subject. Frogs. Lots of frogs. Bullfrogs. I had the unique opportunity last week to travel to the low country of South Carolina, where I was with Chris Dorsey of Outdoor Television fame and We were trying to catch redfish and sea trout, and I'll get to that in a second. But after a long winter here in the Midwest, it was unbelievable at night under the full moon, sitting out on a back porch. Yes, we were sitting out on a back porch, and we didn't even have sweaters on down along the southeast coast, not too far from Savannah, Georgia. And the frogs started. And... It made me think of those hot summer nights here in the Midwest in farm country. And when I was a child, I would open my bedroom window. Of course, you had to to get air through at our farm. And and the frogs down in the ponds and marshes would just be croaking away. It's a sound you don't hear as much of anymore because for whatever reason, whether it's pesticides or whatever's happened, there are far fewer frogs in this part of the world than there used to be. But I heard them last week in numbers that I really, I'm not sure I ever have heard them so loud. Just booming, booming frogs. And it made me think of the the summer nights to come in a few months here in Illinois and Wisconsin. And particularly if you go to Missouri and you just, at night, you sit and you listen to frogs. And it was the sign that summer is coming. So that was kind of, that was, in fact, it was made me reminisce about my childhood, but it also made me realize that in a few months, we too will be sitting outside with, without sweaters on, listening to frogs, and it's one of the great, one of the great signs of summer. While I was down there, I did have a chance to fish for redfish, and I actually caught a few. I caught a couple nice ones. We were fly fishing, and we also were using spin tackle. But one of the things that I learned is that populations in the southeast are declining, particularly of speckled trout. The the average catch of speckled trout in the last seven years, according to the South Carolina Game and Fish Marine Department, is, is about half of what it was seven years ago, eight years ago. And in talking with a number of guides, they said it's pretty much one thing. The number of fishermen is exploding, and all you have to do If you're traveling into Georgia, coastal Georgia, or South Carolina, all you have to do is look at the construction of houses. It's unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. The low country used to be a place where a few people went, a lot of quail hunters went. Now it's a place where everybody goes. And when we were fishing, it it wasn't shoulder to shoulder, but there were boats everywhere. And the guides we were using said, you know, it's just, just a fact, there are an awful lot more people fishing, uh, both with guides, a lot more guides, but also without guides. And they made the comment that a lot of people fishing without guides aren't very good at releasing fish, 
a lot of fish are being killed that maybe used didn't used to be killed. So it's a um, it's kind of a wake up call, which leads me into what is my next subject, which is really kind of incredible. If you think about what's happening with wild turkeys, and I have been talking about this for quite a while, and and nobody else has been, but turkey populations are declining, and they have been declining throughout the South and the Southeast, which is the absolute heart of turkey hunting in America. For, For several years, I've been talking about the turkey hunters that I've always hunted with in Mississippi. They're not seeing as many birds not seeing many birds in in Arkansas. And and a lot of my friends think it's because they've had year after year of of cold, wet springs, and the the poults, which is the turkey young, have have not done well. I don't know if that's what it is. Nobody seems to know what it is. Do they get West Nile? Is it predators? Are there more predators than there used to be in the south and southeast? But turkey numbers are declining, and now sportsmen are beginning to take note of something very odd. There's suddenly a lot more non-resident turkey permits being sold throughout the Southeast, and residents of states like Tennessee and other states are saying, wait a minute, you're curtailing our season. Almost all states across the South and Southeast have delayed the start of turkey season, and they have cut the bag limit across the board. Four turkeys, three turkeys, some states are down to two turkeys. And yet, in, in, in the face of this, the number of non-resident turkey hunters is increasing dramatically. And in Tennessee, for example, in the wildlife management areas of Tennessee, the pub, state public lands, from 2010 to 2015, the average numbers of turkeys shot, tom turkeys, in the spring was 1,256 turkeys over that five-year period. The number of turkeys shot last year on the same lands was 2,422 turkeys, a 100% increase. You've gone from 1,200 turkeys to 2,400 turkeys on the same land. Is it any wonder the turkey populations are declining? I'm not saying it's very seldom. Very seldom is it one thing that causes a population decline. It's usually a number of factors. But it could be wet springs. Turkey populations are definitely being impacted more by predators. We are seeing incredible development in certain areas of the south and southeast, Tennessee in particular, with houses and factories and roads, particularly in eastern Tennessee. And we're seeing a lot more turkeys being shot, even though the seasons are now being reduced and the bag limits are being reduced. Put all that together, and it looks like to me, as I've been suggesting for quite a while, that the glory days of turkey hunting in the south and southeast could be behind us for a while. And as you know, having listened to me for many years, I'm a complete optimist. But it strikes me that the great run, of turkeys hunting from the middle 80s, actually early 80s, till probably about 2015, 2016, somewhere in there, has certainly not only stopped, but it's reversed. And we could be in for a period of of constricting uh, regulations with declining populations. And that will hit these states hard 
because turkey hunting has become, next to deer hunting, the most popular sport in, in all southern and southeastern states. And, of course, the states are trying to have more non-resident hunters for one very simple reason. Non-resident hunters pay a much higher license fee than resident hunters. But as I've talked about on the air, across America, there's a backlash coming. In the West, it already exists. Non-resident hunters buying an elk tag or a big game tag for antelope or deer are paying, well, in some cases, 10 or 20 times, 30 times the license fee that a resident hunter is paying, and they use outfitters, and they stay in motels, and all those kinds of things. So there's been a huge pressure for revenues from non-resident hunters. But resident hunters are saying, wait a minute, we live in these states, and, and, and if you're going to cut back on our opportunity, which is happening across the West when it comes to big game, and is happening now across the South and Southeast when it comes to turkeys, we're not going to be welcoming the non-residents. We're the ones who live here 365 days a year. This is our state, and we don't want non-resident hunters if it's going to cause our own resident hunting populations, our abilities to hunt to decline. So we're, we're in for a very interesting and very difficult time across a number of states as they deal with declining turkey or deer or elk populations in the face of ever-increasing non-resident populations, and they've set up their agencies to market to non-residents because it's great for tourism and great for revenues across the board. So stay tuned. It's a story that, that, that is going to have to work its way through, but as often happens, you've heard it first here on The Great Outdoors. I'll be back in just a moment with much more, and when I do, I'm going to talk about mapping. I'm going to talk about the Amazon. This is Charlie Potter and the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720. And now a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert, sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter here on WGN Radio, and thank you for being with me this morning. I promise before the break I'm going to go a little bit to mapping and some things that are taking place which are pretty interesting out of Congress, which uh, will have, a, frankly, a very big impact on public lands across America, the House of Representatives has passed a bill called Modernizing Access to Our Public Lands, as only they can come up with. Its acronym is MAPLAND. 
the Mapland Act, modernizing access to our public lands. I'd love to know who in Congress always comes up with these great acronyms. I'd love to hire them. They, they, the acronyms that they come up with for bills. So Mapland, that's the new bill. This bill, if it passes and is signed into law, will require the digitization of public land maps so that you can access information on public lands wherever you are in America. The bill actually will record digitally. So a state, you'll pull up a map of of public lands in the state of Illinois. It'll show you where they all are, whether they be state lands or federal lands. And it will show the legal easements and right-of-ways across private lands. Wait till private landowners find out. And I'm saying there's nothing wrong with this, by the way. But wait until private landowners find out that there's someone standing in a field with a map looking at a sign that says road closed private property. And, and the map says, well, this is a public road. And, and, and the map is most likely to be right. We already see that with, with all kinds of map, mappings like Onyx, et cetera, happens all the time. But the different deal here is this would be a federal law requiring states that receive federal funds, which is all of them, to have this mapping system available. That means that the map is going to be correct in Onyx and all these mapping areas that, that, that permit uh, access for people now, and I use it all the time, and I'm sure many of you do, they're always right. This system's going to be right. So it will, um, it will show all roads, rights of ways, easements, legal easements. It'll show road restrictions by vehicle usage. It'll show the boundaries of areas where special rules or prohibitions apply to hunting and shooting. This is a, this is a huge technological tool that millions of people are going to use, whether you're hunting or fishing. And I already know a number of individuals in Wisconsin who, when I talk to them about this, they are not happy. There are a fair number of trout streams and lakes in Wisconsin that are off the beaten path and have long been presumed to be private. A lot of them aren't. So uh, this is going to cause conflict between landowners and the public. Technology has done this in a lot of ways. In this case, the landowners are going to lose because these maps are going to be correct. And anyone with the ability, making the effort, is going to be able to figure out how to get into places where, where they historically never even knew they could get into. So I'm sure it's going to be a fabulous tool for people using public lands. And I'm sure it's also going to be a tool that a lot of landowners are going to wish Congress never got involved in. But the reality is those are public lands, and they should be able to be accessed by the public. Uh, I promised I would talk about the Amazon for just a moment before I uh, ended the show today. And the Amazon, as we know, has been losing trees for a long time. There are a number of scientists who believe that the rainforest is reaching a point where it cannot begin to sustain itself. And, and this is something we'll talk more about. This isn't climate alarmism. It's, it's not, that's not what it is. It's about the fact that the number of trees 
have that have been felled, burned, and land now taken into production in the Amazon, acreage-wise, could be reaching a point where the whole weather system of the Amazon uh, is in danger of changing. And if the weather system of the Amazon begins to change, then we could have a very different worldwide weather picture, but particularly a picture for South America. So again, I when I mention these things, I mention them as information. There's a lot being written on it right now. There's a whole pile of new of new data, which I'm going to dig into a little bit. But it is pretty clear that we've been clearing and clearing and clearing the Amazon. And it looks like maybe we're clearing it to where it's going to be very difficult for the Amazon as a rainforest to, to sustain itself. We'll certainly talk about that. It's, it's not a happy subject, but it is one that, that we should be aware of and, and hopefully be able to, to figure out what to do with. Next week when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the attempt to ban lead. Uh, last week I talked about gas and resorts and lodges and outfitters. And, and it appears that there is potentially really difficult times coming. So on that note, I hope you have a great week in the great outdoors. The ice fishing season is way behind us. The soft water season is in front of us. And as I start off at the beginning of the show, I heard the frogs in South Carolina booming. It won't be long before we hear frogs once again in the heartland with the arrival of spring and summer. Thanks for listening. This is Charlie Potter and the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.